Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acree, and our guest today is an absolute ma- absolute master yeah, in he's this idea a master. of generating referrals, mm-hmm. becoming uh, relevant with the messages that you're sending out to your clients. His name is Bill Cates, yep. not to be confused with Bill Gates, yeah. as he reminded us <laughs> in the intro. Now, as well. he's written four best-selling books. Um, he has spent his career in the financial services industry, really teaching people how to get referrals. And we're going to dive into his new bestseller today. It's super relevant but you got to tune in to find There's out. There's also really cool. We get a little sciency in this one, yeah. which I absolutely love. And Bill actually walks through how this common phrase that you use in sales as it relates to emotion actually proves out in the science. So you got to stick around for that. But before we introduce him, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcast or Spotify if you're not already. And while you're there, drop us a review to let us know how we're doing. We'll read it here on the show. And now let's get into this week's interview. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. Our guest today is Bill Cates, an internationally recognized client acquisition expert, author, and speaker who motivates others to take action with proven strategies. As a successful entrepreneur, Bill started and sold two book publishing content or companies. Now he's turned his attention to helping other businesses grow and has written four best-selling books, including Get More Referrals Now and Radical Relevance. Bill's client acquisition system has been featured in Success Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, and The Wall Street Journal. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And just so if people didn't hear you wrong, uh, it's Bill Cates, not Bill Gates. <laughs> That's right? actually so, a great point. <laughs> Bill, Bill Gates has a lot of money. He's trying to give it away, I guess. Uh, Bill K, I'm going to help you make more money. Yeah, yeah, that's, beautiful. That's, a fair deal. that's what we want. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's so good. Bill, super excited to have you on. We were just talking before we came on the show that um, we're really excited for this topic today because you really are an expert on what Josh and I are passionate about, which is this idea of referral marketing and relationships. And I want to dive right into this topic of radical relevance because one of the things that Josh and I have always said is that one of the keys to marketing is, a, is relevance. Meaning the reason why Facebook and Google can make so much money because they have so much data on you, they can serve right. up relevant advertising. So right. what led you to write this book, Radical Relevance? What does that term even mean to you? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to get across there? Yeah. So Google, I think we could argue is the ultimate relevance machine, right? All, mm-hmm. all the, all the, you know, um, everything is based on learning and then putting the right stuff in front. Right. And relevance has always been important. I mean, from the first moment someone tried to influence someone else, hopefully they tried to make that request relevant, right, to that person. Uh, so fast forward a gazillion years, for me, it, where it really happened is uh, for the longest time, I was hired mostly to teach f- folks how to, how to get referrals, how to ask for them without being aggressive, uh, how to turn them into introductions. Uh, so you get connected and still do that. Uh, and I was interviewing some guys uh, with a financial firm getting ready for a speech. And I was asking them, so when you get a referral, when you get introduced, what do you say to the prospect? And I realized that these guys were pretty successful, uh, had some pretty weak value propositions. The way they communicated their value was very lame. And, and so, number one, it made me realize that the power of the referral, the introduction, the borrowed trust that one gets from that 
will, I think, uh, compensate for perhaps not so great ways to talk about our value because we're getting connected. We're getting our foot in the door that way. And, and that's good. So that was the seed of the idea. And then as I got through this a little bit more, I realized that most of the folks that I work with just weren't communicating their value very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to me, radical relevance really is a couple of things. First of all, from a very tactical standpoint, it's the right message for the right people at the right time and the right medium, the right offer, right? Just the narrow and just everything's right. And, and if you have a marketing program that you did that didn't work so well, or you're planning one for the future, you know, just look at those, that list. So, you know, I, I, it's the right message, the right person, the right time, the right way, all that. So that's partly radical relevance. It's getting incredible context on your prospects, so that you can make the right, create the right message. And from a broader uh, perspective, it's really an unrelenting passion for for getting to know your right fit clients. Who are these people? What makes them tick? What is the right way to communicate with them? So to me, that's radical relevance. And in, in some respects, there's nothing radical about that. <laughs> but for most professionals, most of the people listening to this, real estate agents, financial advisors, insurance folks, small business owners, uh, they don't usually pay attention to those things. So that's hence the book. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not necessarily a radical idea, but it's a radical shift in mindset for so many people because so many business owners, right. and we fall into this trap as well, where you're so focused on, you know, what message do I want to get across versus what message do people want to hear? So walk us through, do you have um, kind of a framework? I know you got like some rules laid out in your book. Uh, can you walk yeah, through some fact, of those rules I, I, or some I, of that framework to get to that area of relevance? Right here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what kind of author would I be without holding up the book, right? You know, um, well, yeah. So, gosh, there's a lot of ways to go with this. First of all, in the book, I've laid out uh, two types of relevance in the sense of their strategic relevance, mm. which is understanding your target market. You do have a target market, right? Everyone needs a clear market. And the mistake that a lot of people make is uh, making the, you know, casting a bigger net to try to encompass more people mm-hmm. when they really should be casting a, a smaller net or maybe several smaller nets. So each one designed to catch the right fish to, to butcher that metaphor. So that's the strategic and what makes you a little different. Um, we can get into what makes you different. We should talk about that because I think there's some mistaken beliefs around that. And then finally, um, the tactical relevance, in other words, how it shows up, uh, how, how you take those principles. So in, in, you know, I, we do have 17 rules of radical relevance. I'll give you a couple here and we can keep going with this. Uh, first of all, the first one I kind of covered in a way, the shortest route to relevance, the shortest route to being relevant to someone you don't know is an introduction from someone they do know. Hmm. Borrowed trust of an introduction. It's hard to get more relevant than that. Now, what you want to do is you want to make sure that person who's introducing you informs you about this prospect. You learn about these people so that the introduction and then your follow-up to that introduction is as narrow and, and personalized and relevant as it possibly can be. Um, the rule number two is give your clients or customers a seat at the table. And what I mean by that is when you're working up marketing programs, when you're working up websites, LinkedIn profiles, anytime you're working on talking about what you do, talk to some of your clients. Don't just do it in a vacuum. 
see how they react. Yep. I'll tell you, sometimes you get some incredible things, you know, learning from them. They, so for, I'll give you two examples. Um, in my own business, I was doing this at one point and a, and a guy named Michael Schmitz, uh, a leader of a financial firm out on the West coast said, well, you know, I tell people that Bill Cates makes asking for referrals as natural as breathing. Mm. Oh, well, that's pretty good. I, I, I wouldn't have thought of saying that that came from a client, right? Michael, can I use that? Yeah. I'll quote you. Okay, fine. And I was working with some uh, advisors coaching them and they had a client, they were doing the same exercise. And the client says, you know, when I think of you guys, I think I call you guys the dream makers. And they go, oh, tell me, tell us more about that, right? Well, you helped me fund my dreams. You told me mm -hmm. that there's nothing worse than an unfunded dream. And that's what you've helped me do. And they go, that's it. This is a client who appreciates us for the value that we want to be appreciated. Right. And you do that by giving your clients a seat at the table to help you with this. That's, so that's a couple so, of them. No, that's so good. Um, we had, who was it? Dan Allison. Yeah. Dan Allison. On the show. The characteristics mm -hmm. of referral sources. He laid out that I thought was really powerful. something on, along the similar lines. He goes, man, businesses pay tens of thousands of dollars for consultants. Which not beating up consultants, right? I have my own feeling on consultants. No, no, no but, keep it coming. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tens of thousands of dollars, but they never consult the actual clients that they have. And the clients that they have can tell you more about the experience, more about what they loved, more about what they hated, probably than a consultant ever could from a relevancy standpoint. And so I think that's a powerful golden nugget that you've laid out. It's just like, go give your client a seat at the table because they're going to tell you what they loved and what they didn't love. And it can help you refine that experience, which ultimately results in hopefully more referrals, more repeat business. Yeah. And sometimes there's actually a disconnect in larger companies or the disconnect between marketing and sales. Sometimes the marketing department doesn't even talk to the salespeople mm. who are on the front lines working with the clients, right? Let alone talk to the clients. Uh, smaller companies like financial advisors, for instance, often have a, you know, an advisory board. Uh, and they meet with that advisory board maybe a couple times a year. And that's part of that, giving them a seat at the table for their marketing as well as their operations and processes. So yeah, no, no question about that. Um, and you, and, and you learn so much. We, we can make our best guess, right? We certainly know our clients well enough to make some pretty good guesses and we're doing ourselves and them a dis, this favor if we don't go to the next step. And it's really all about empathy. So I want to emphasize that a little bit here it, when it comes to marketing and sales, it, it, it's about empathy. So empathy, different than sympathy, is, a, is an understanding of an appreciation for someone else's situation. And so whenever we talk about what we do, whether it's a headline on a banner in a website or a, could be a first sentence in an email to a prospect, they need to start to see themselves in our messaging. If they start to say, yeah, he, he she's speaking to me, I get that that's when you're starting to pull them in to your story. And so they're the hero, get them in that way. And then you can start to talk a little more about yourself, but always in a way that they see themselves in that story. I love that. Uh, that was a revolutionary concept that I learned from Donald Miller from the story yes. brand book is that book. idea of you're not the hero and, it, and it's not about you, which is obvious when you say it out loud. But when you then go look at your marketing and your sales pitches and everything you present, you go, wait a second, I'm presenting myself as the hero, as Superman, as myself, as the person who's going to ultimately be your success versus making that client the hero. I'm curious on chapter three, you, you title it the neuroscience of relevance. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm curious, like, 
How can understanding the neuroscience actually make a difference in how you attract and win more clients? Yeah, there's a bunch of ways. I, I won't I won't give them all because uh, we don't have time for that. But I tell you, writing the chapter made my head hurt. Um, <laughs> just, and I can so I, I mean I'm not a scientist by nature, although I am fascinated by neuroscience. Um, and I had three neurosciences I can neuroscientists I consulted with on this to make sure I was saying the right stuff. And they all had a slightly different take on it, by the way. So a couple quick things. First of all. Uh, Antonio Damasio, a pretty famed neuroscientist, uh, still alive today, has discovered using a technology called magnetic resonance tomography. Say that 10 times fast, Josh. Magnetic, magnetic resonance, resonance tomography. Magnetic <laughs> resonance <laughs> job, tomography. Job. All right. You get a gold star. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, he had subjects who had the part of the brain that felt emotion was damaged. So they couldn't feel emotion, which is mm. kind mm. of odd as a human. And, uh, you know, he says we are, you know, or somebody said this, we are, we are feeling machines that think, you know, we're not thinking machines that feel, we are feeling machines that think. And so what happened is people who couldn't feel literally could not make decisions. They couldn't decide if they were going to have oat flakes or wheat flakes for breakfast. It kind of confirmed what we all have talked about, right? We always say people decide emotionally, rationalize, you know, you know, logically. It's kind of like that. But so what does that say to us? It means that at the heart of all of what we do, marketing, sales, um, we have to make sure that we're creating that emotional response, now, it doesn't have to be, you know, overblown emotional response. We don't have to get prospects crying in front of us, right? That's <laughs> happened so before. Right. My business sucks. You know, but, but even statistics, right? For advisors, even the Morningstar reports, even the, you know, illustration of the, of the, uh, the mortgage rates, right? Those numbers, that still creates an emotional response, mm -hmm. which then creates action. So we know that if we're not creating the action we want from prospects and clients, then we're not hitting the right emotional part of the brain. So that's one piece. Uh, the other is, so the purpose of the brain is to keep the organism, the body alive. That's its prime directive, right? Keep this thing alive. And so therefore, it's actually looking to use fewer calories, expend fewer calories, use less energy, just when we're trying to expend them to get off the COVID-19 that we put on, right? I'm wearing the COVID-19 yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so therefore, anything, any message that we have that might be the least bit confusing or unclear is going to cause the brain to work harder. Brain doesn't like that. Brain says, no, irrelevant, not going to go there. Now, if they're super interested, okay, they'll marshal the forces and they'll pick through that confusing message you just wrote. Hmm. But when we use jargon, when we use, uh, you know, we just don't explain things in a, in a clear way, we, we have context. Remember, we have context about our business and our products and services and how people benefit that our prospects will never have. And sometimes we don't realize that. So we talk in ways that doesn't take that into account, right? Right. And so those are just a couple of, uh, of the things that I learned. So clarity, clarity on your message, clarity on who you're trying to serve, clarity on how to work with you. Meaning what is step one in working with you? Yep. What is step two? There's a term called cognitive fluency. And what it says is if, if how 
if, if a prospect isn't quite clear on what it looks like to work with you, they will assume that it's complicated and won't go there. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally unconscious. So I know that's a long answer. I'm sorry, but no, uh, those are some things I learned. That is fascinating <laughs> that they have proven that people that can't feel emotion can't make decisions. Yeah, like that is so fascinating. Crazy. And I really heard that. You know, you always hear like, well, people buy on emotion. Yeah, but I never heard the study but before. <laughs> the yeah. actual study that the science. Exactly. Behind. It's actually, yeah, finally, it's like, and, and so then I get asked, you know, in my seminars and stuff. So how do these people live? I said, well, habits. They do remember habits. Yeah. And what's stocked in their pantry, et cetera. Yeah. And then often they create checklists or someone helps them with a checklist Yeah, that's uh, to, to know that they're doing what they need to do to get by. Well, let's get into that simplicity. The second part of that obviously was making your message simple and making your value proposition, I imagine, simple as well. How does someone, what's the steps that someone would take? Or do you have any sort of formula that people can use to really get down to that unique selling proposition? Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say one of the, f- the first things one needs to figure out is, is what is the problem or the problems that you solve? And are these problems critical or aspirational? Mm-hmm. Are they blatant or hidden? And let me explain. So let's take life insurance, because I know you have some life insurance folks that, that, that follow you guys. So Life insurance. Um, we know that it's pretty critical for people, for most people, to have life insurance in place because, God forbid, something happens, you know, family could lose the home, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, but a lot of people see that as aspirational. Yeah, someday I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, I know I need more. I'll, I, yeah, okay, you know. So if if your prospects see the problem you solve as aspirational, eh, they might meet with you. They might not, they might talk to you about it. They might not, but if they see it's critical, if you help them move it from aspirational to critical, then guess what? If people have a critical problem, they'll often move heaven and earth to fix that. Mm-hmm. Right. They'll, they bleed all over us because they know. So when they know they have a critical problem, this is where we want to play the most for our business. We want to play in that space of that quadrant of blatant mean they know they have a problem and critical, it's got to get fixed. They're bleeding money. They're missing money. There's a tax deadline with the IRS, whatever it is. And so once we have that frame and we just speak to that and we, and we solve that problem, actually our messaging gets a a lot simpler, a lot easier. Uh, We're not trying to solve all the problems all at once. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes people make in, in LinkedIn profile, website, collateral materials, email, yeah. is they try to put everything all in one message. 100%. They solve all these problems. They have all these solutions. They, 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 they do pick one. Well, again, back to Donald Miller's, you know, confuse you lose. So um, they, they won't they won't pick any. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like when you're developing a value proposition, And, you know, you can focus on trying to hammer home the pain or Mm -hmm. hammer home the reward, right, that someone is going for. Which one do you find tends to work better? Like for us, like, you know, we're helping people keep in touch with their database so they never miss out on a referral or a repeat transaction again, right? But do we hammer the pain of, you know, you're missing out on referrals because you're not following up? And the reason why you're not is because you don't have time, right? And you're not sure what to send, when to send it, how to send it. Or do we 
focus on the opportunity that's there. You could make $50,000 more this year that's in your database. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if that's making sense, but like, because this is like a real struggle, even for Josh and I of going like, we could go the pain route of you're losing money, or we could go the joy route of imagine making $50,000 more this year. What would that mean for your life? So, so the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> yes and yes, right? Um, that's a simple answer. Uh, so, all right, back to some brain science, if it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so approximately six times a second, pretty fast, right? The brain is going, where am I? Am I safe? Right, again, keeping, keeping us alive. Where am I? Am I safe? Where am I? Am I safe? Very fast, you know. It's, yeah, isn't it's, it like every time you blink, your brain like resets, it like reframes where you are and are, are you safe or something like that? Sure. Yeah. And I blink more than the average person. So I guess I'm checking, maybe I'm paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> where am I? <laughs> Sorry, can't, have, can't help but have fun with you guys, right? I love it. Uh, all here all I know is I'm missing the black headphones with a red band on it. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are our Beats headphones. We did it just because we think it's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, we wanted a Beats sponsorship. It's very yet. cool. I just want to know if you guys ever have arguments about Mac versus PC. We <laughs> do. I see that Mac and I see that HP there. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, that Mac, must be a pretty, pretty Mac has a bunch of cult followers. You know what Mac has done? They've tapped into the emotion really well. Yes, Apple sir. has ta- tapped into that emotion. Yeah, the aspiration. The, yeah. Yep, they really have. They've become, although Apple has become the big brother they railed against uh, way back when. You guys are too young to remember that. But anyway, um, so to answer the question, six times a second, where am I? Am I safe? All right. So that's the prime directive. Second is three times a second. Is there an opportunity? The brain does like to learn. The brain does like to grow. The brain does like these opportunities, but not quite as much as staying safe. So when it feels safe, then it expands, all right? Now, I I believe that the problems and the opportunities that you're mentioning really are, the, you know, the different, the flip side of the same coin. You solve this problem, you create the opportunity, right? They're really kind of the same thing. And yeah. what we don't know about any given prospect is what's going to motivate them. So that's why I said yes and yes. I think we want to do a little both. And I tend to lead with the problem. I want to express empathy for the problem and then also share the opportunity. When you solve this problem, here's what the transformation looks like. And so you're catching people on both sides. And I think that's the most powerful way to go. So it's not an, it's not a either or it's really a both. Uh, and you know, ultimately when it comes to marketing, and I think you guys probably know this given the work that you guys do, it's all about testing, Mm -hmm. right? We can make our best guess, but we don't really know. I mean, I have years of, of experience in, in, in direct marketing long before there was an internet and, you know, the joke with, with direct marketers, they'll say, well, all right, it's got a blue headline. It's pulling this. Let's change the headline to red and see if it pulls more or less. Oh, you change the headline headline to red, it starts to pull more. Why? I don't know. It just does. That's our control. Now let's try green, right? So you can you can guess and guess and guess and guess, but ultimately, if you don't test it, you never really truly know. Yeah. So that's why I recommend testing a little bit. And we do that with our email headlines sometimes. We'll send out an A-B test 
And the only thing we change is the subject line, for instance. Everything yep. else is the same. So we yep. know what, if anything, made a difference. And sometimes it doesn't make any difference. That's <laughs> yep. no, so. spot it's spot on. I'm glad to hear you say that too, because it affirms in my mind, because my gut and heart has always leaned towards the pain um and the being safe. And because, you know, I think it is the primary directive of what people do, but I do believe it's here's the pain. And if you solve it, you get these results. So I, I'm right there with you. That's what I've seen in my experience. I'm curious, in the first chapter of your book, you tell a story of how one of your clients achieved 900% growth in seven years. Uh, it was a pretty inspiring story. Can you kind of give the synopsis of that here? Yeah, sure. Uh, Nancy McKay up in Vancouver, Canada, runs a firm called McKay CEO Forms, and she helps CEOs get together with peer groups. Masterminds are sometimes called, right? So it's P CEO peer groups. And when she came to me, uh, she had 100 CEOs in her groups. And and so we're talking about seven, 8,000 a CEO. So, you know, she's doing pretty well. Um, and uh, she says, I, I want to do better. I want to, I'm on a mission. Um, I want to populate the world with more enlightened and better, you know, CEOs. Cause when the CEO is better and they're better at their job, then it affects the employees and it affects the customers. It affects everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to expand in two ways. She wanted to expand with more CEOs in her groups, but then she also knew to, to leverage, she had to have other chairs, other leaders of the groups. So um, we helped her uh, develop a referral program for both, for both getting more uh, CEOs into groups and helping her chairs use the referral process to fill those groups and then helping her get more chairs over time. And so, uh, you know, I went to Vancouver many times. We did some video training, some audio stuff that everybody goes through our system. And in seven years, she went from 100 uh, CEOs to over a thousand CEOs. All through referrals? All, all yeah, yeah, virtually all through referrals. Um, it, it, mostly invitations to an event, invitations to a sample peer group, either a lot of people or just a, one particular group, but it's still referral through yep. centers of influence, right? So through other consultants, people who know, and then through their own members and their own members wanted the right people in the group. And, and just like an athletic team is always looking for uh, yep. other players in case they lose one or other coaches in case they lose one, they have a bench of people and it's all referrals and mostly introductions to uh, an event. I love that. One of the reasons why is because we keep hearing over and over again with a surprising thing to me on this podcast, because I've lived and breathed referrals for over a decade now. And my strategies have always been touch point based, but doing this podcast has really opened up my eyes to events to in-person events, having the ability to get your client, your raving fan to have an opportunity to invite one of their uh, spheres of influence to an event. We had someone on, and the name is slipping me, that did golf events. And they would get, there was a financial advisor, they would do a golf event, and they would have mm -hmm. someone in their group or some one of their clients invite one of their friends for a free round of golf. And it was right. such a natural way to get referrals that was non-salesy and it generated so much business for them off that same type of context of, hey, invite your peer to this item of value to this event that's happening. My brother just did when he's in real estate, he did a pie event. Yeah. He invited all his sphere, but told his sphere to invite some of their friends to get a free pie from the local bakery. And you would go, oh, that's a simple concept. Boom, he got like 70 Google um, reviews. He got tons of different referrals. It was unbelievable. A referral is a reward for a job well done. 
and there's no reason to hesitate in asking your clients for one. Even so, you may struggle to find the right time or the right words that could open the door to more business. Well, we've got you covered with printable scripts that you can customize to your own style and use with your clients. Whether it's a longtime client or the anniversary of a home sale, we've made reaching out and asking for referrals as easy as saying hello. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash referral script to download this free resource today. That's ReminderMedia.com slash referral script. Take action on this today. Yeah, I, I uh, it, here's what happens with events. Uh, I, I actually delineate three types of events. Uh, client appreciation events where we're just bringing clients together to say thank you. And, and that alone has a lot of value. Um, because it's, and, and to use another, uh, fancy term congruency theory. So what it says is when your clients who, who love you, trust you, appreciate you, love your value, all that get together with other people who like you and trust you, what's the net result. They all leave liking you and trusting you more. Right. So it's all reinforced. So just from a loyalty standpoint, right. Which is a big part of what you guys do, helping create that loyalty and referability, well, guess what? That that event will do that. Now, if they bring a guest or not, that's kind of icing on the cake. So then we also have special invitation events, which is the purpose of the event is for introductions. Mm. It's not just to say thank you, but it really is to bring someone to introduce in a social setting. I love it. Or it could be an educational setting. And then finally, a celebration event. Uh, I just interviewed a guy from my podcast, Joe DeSena, about retirement parties. He hosts these retirement parties for his clients. And he, he gets new clients from everyone he ever does. Because they, you know, they're going, my, my advisor, cheapskate, never do anything like this. <laughs> you know? so, so birthday, anniversary, you know, all kinds of appreciation things. So yeah, events are, it should be part of the mix. Yep. And, may, and we're coming up, I mean... You know, obviously on event season with Thanksgiving, the holidays, every time, I'm not sure exactly when this podcast will release, but what an opportunity. I listened to a podcast. It was a Tom Ferry podcast. I love him. If you're in real estate, you should listen to him. But uh, he talked about one of uh, their coaching clients did tacos and tequila uh, on Tuesdays, but it was the idea was, and he's in real estate, the idea was it was an open house. And it's tacos oh, yeah. and tequila at an open house. And they invited all their sphere for tacos and tequila. Bring your friends. They had sold, they've done it like three times or whatever on this podcast. And they had sold all three homes to their sphere that they invited for wow. the tacos and tequila. So they got both sides of the transaction, both the seller and the buyer side shots, from a commission standpoint. Anything, yeah. it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Man, Bill, well, so I, you, you, you get me on the taco part. I had a bad night in college. <laughs> <laughs> With tequila. I think we all have had one of those bad nights. I hate to oh, admit yeah. it, Somebody but we all recognize yes. that smell. Yes, we when, do. When it's, it's out of the bottle, you know, it's, it's going <laughs> to yeah. come back. Yeah, that's the truth, man. It's been awesome uh, having you on. I could talk to you all day. I have to ask you, we ask all successful people that come on, have you implemented any routines in your life that you look back on now and you go, yeah, yeah, that routine has really driven success for me? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I'll tell you, the, the older I get, the less disciplined I am for some stupid reason. I don't know what it is, less testosterone or something. I don't know. But in any event, uh, so I'll tell you one thing that really has made a big difference for me, and I do it just about every single day. And that is 
And I know it sounds kind of trite, but I really do look at the day the next day and I do plan it out a little bit mm. and I get a handle on it and I make sure the right stuff's in the right day as best I can. Um, I try not to overfill the day. I'm not always successful at that, but that little bit of planning, you know, a week ahead and then a day ahead, um, it just, it keeps me less overwhelmed. And, you know, when you're overwhelmed, then, uh, you know, it's hard to know what to do first. The other thing I do, I'm a big list maker. Um, that's another thing in brain science, by the way, most people love checking off the lists. Mm-hmm. And Josh, have you ever, um, I'm picking on Josh cause you know, Luke, you're doing all the talking. Well, uh, he, he's the smart so- <laughs> one. I'm just, the, I'm just the mouthpiece. He's the smart one. <laughs> yeah. So it's have you ever, have one. you ever, uh, had a list of things to do in the yard, around the house, business, whatever. And you did something one on the list and then you wrote it on the list just so you could it check it off. <laughs> I actually write uh, create a to-do list as my first to-do item. Just so after <laughs> I'm done, I just check it off right away. Yeah. So that's another thing. I, when I, when I get it on the list, I can let it go knowing it'll come back to haunt me later. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Bill. Before we do close out, let people know how they can connect with you and where they can get your book. Sure. Thank you. Uh, RadicalRelevanceBook.com. There's a fun little video there, RadicalRelevanceBook.com. And and then uh, my website, ReferralCoach.com, ReferralCoach.com. Uh, send me a message. Uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, very active, very reach, uh, reachable, approachable LinkedIn as well. Um, Awesome. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like podcasts. So go check out Bill's podcast, Top Advisor Podcast. We were talking a little bit about that before jumping on the show. That's something you just kicked off a little bit ago, yeah. interviewing financial advisors in the space. Yes. Uh, TopAdvisorPodcast.com. There's two of us out there and I actually, we know each other, but that's a, lo- a long story we don't have time for, but <laughs> TopAdvisorPodcast.com. That'll take you to ours and then you can subscribe on any platform you want. Awesome. Love Thanks it. again, Bill. And thank you all so much for listening to dive deeper in this episode, get those show notes or those resources that we mentioned. You can head on over to StayPaidPodcast.com. While there, you can also get the videos for all of our episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, please show your support by heading on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review along with a comment to let let us know how we're doing. And the best way to help out the show is to refer it out. Tell a friend. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast.remindermedia.com and you can find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Josh Dyke. Guys, and I'm Luke Acree. Great episode. Go back and listen. I want to give you an action item that you can implement literally today. There's there's 17 rules of this radical relevance and Bill just gave us a couple of them. And one of them was give your clients a seat at the table because they can truly enlighten you for your value proposition and everything that you're doing. So my action item to you is take a few minutes this week, call some of your clients and find out their experience with you. Give them a seat at the table. What did they love about working with you? What were the pain points? That will help you craft your value proposition and change your client experience, which will result in more referrals, more repeat business. It will grow your business for you. Remember the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 